the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. What a joy to be with you all this morning. Happy June, happy summer and all that. I loved driving up Lakeshore Drive this morning and like everybody's out there with their dogs and running and all kinds of carrying on. What's going on over in Grant Park? There are people like firing up grills already. Like it's 9 a.m. I don't know what's going on over there, but looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, It's my joy to bring to you um, a teaching from Jesus from the book of Matthew, which I just read. So that's the text we're going to be using if you'd like to follow along in your Bible or in your bulletin from Matthew chapter 6. As I read this, it reminded me of a time when I was having dinner with my friends. My kids were really little, and we were sitting at the table having dinner, enjoying time together, and then that beautiful time comes when the kids go outside and the adults are still sitting there, and the adults can have a conversation. It's so magnificent. And the kids went outside, like, onto the patio, and there's a sliding glass door that closed. So the adults were at the table having a conversation, and the kids were out there playing. And I looked out there and I thought, it's just beautiful. They are marvelous. Look how precious they are. What a gift that I have these children to care for. And then the sliding door cracked open. And I could hear all the yelling and the whining and the fighting and the carrying on. And all of the sudden... I felt like the burden of having to provide for them and thinking they're exhausted and now I'm going to have to drive them home and give them baths. And this is really hard. And how is this, how is this happening? So somehow the barrier of sound 
with that barrier of sound, I saw their preciousness like behind the glass. But with the sound, I felt the burden. And if I'm honest, I sometimes gave into the heaviness of worry about my kids and taking care of them instead of enjoying them. And I've wasted precious energy and time worrying about how things are going to be provided for me and for my kids instead of living in faith. And yet, the Lord has always, he has always provided. And so something that Jesus is getting at in this text, wait, there's a whole, ch- hang on one second. I think I put one of my pages in the wrong order. So I'll be giving the intro at the end. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, let's see. I think something Jesus is getting at in this text is that if we could see our lives from his perspective without all that noise of fear, without the driven thoughts about all the things that we know that we need and how we're going to get them, that we would see that our lives are a gift from God and that he intends to provide for our needs. If we can see the goodness of God right around us right now is fatherly care, then we can breathe and we can be present to his provision for us, to our lives, to the people right around us. Jesus wants us to live without worry for what we will eat or what we will wear so that we can focus on the important things, the gift of life, the dearness of others, the assurance and confidence in his provision and in his goodness. In today's text, Jesus is quite directive. In just those few verses, he says three times, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. So I think if there's one thing we should take away from this passage, it's do not be anxious. So let's unpack it a little bit. What does this mean? If Jesus tells us, do not be anxious, this must be possible. He wouldn't tell us to do something if it wasn't possible. It must be something we can take responsibility for, for our thoughts, or he wouldn't ask it of us. Now, when Jesus says, do not be anxious, I don't think he's talking about the kind of cultural stress that we are experiencing or the condition we may think of as anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. These are anxious thoughts around provision, not so much a state of anxiety, because Jesus is wise and careful in his interactions with people. And he knows the one thing that a person suffering with anxiety doesn't want to hear is, do not be anxious. So, I mean, Jesus isn't just looking at a field of anxious people telling them not to be anxious. And that is, that's just not how he is. So, but if you today happen to be struggling with constant anxiety, more days than not, that impacts your sleeping and your eating and your relationships and your work, that's a different kind of problem than what Jesus is addressing here. And you may need medical care, you may need counseling, and that's really important, and I do hope you get that. But I also hope that you don't hear that Jesus' word for you is just, don't be anxious, because this is about something alone. And as Jesus is teaching, he is looking out over the people. And we know 
that when Jesus looks at the people, he doesn't just see their bodies and their families together and their friends. He sees their minds and he sees their hearts and he sees that they're distracted, that they're preoccupied, that they're anxious and heavy with these thoughts. And he wants them to be free from the preoccupation and the weight of anxious thoughts, especially thoughts around whether they will have what they need. So let's just walk through the passage together. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So Jesus sees that his audience is preoccupied with thoughts about what they will eat or drink, so much so that it impacts their life. And Jesus invites them to step back and consider their anxious thoughts and wonder if there's more to life than these concerns. And Jesus challenges these thoughts with an invitation to look at herds and lilies. So Augustine, what Augustine says about this passage is very simply, birds and lilies are proposed so that more important things may be suggested by things of less importance. So we're about to hear how more important things are suggested by these things of little importance, the little birds and um, flowers. So the next verse, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So is Jesus suggesting here that we all should live like birds and fail to sow seed? Is Jesus telling us we don't really have to do anything? Is he just going to give us food? Uh, one commentator on the passage says, answers that question with this. The heavenly father feeds the birds, but he hardly ever makes worms rain from the sky into open beaks. They work for their food, but he providentially puts worms where their beaks peck. So Jesus' message is not, do not work, because work is part of how we're made. Working for food is different from fixing your mind on how to get food. So moving on in the text. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not be anxious. Look at the birds. That's interesting. Do not be anxious. What does he ask us to do? To look at the birds. So look at the birds. See them. Slow down. Attend to them. Look at the birds. What do you notice about them? Do they sow or reap? Are they hungry? No, they're fed. So what does this tell you? That these birds are my creation. They are small and insignificant, but I feed them. And if I do this for birds, what about you? 
aren't you more valuable than those tiny little birds? These worries you have about what you will eat, do they add to your life? Does the time and energy that you give to these thoughts have the power to impact the substance of your life at all, the length of your life? It's a wasted effort. So like if you want to get to the lake, you have to walk down the sidewalk. You can't get to the lake by hopping on your treadmill and just walking and walking and walking, right? It's like, why are you just running on this treadmill? It's getting you nowhere. Consider the lilies. So we've looked at the birds. Now we're looking at the flowers. Look at their magnificent color. Have you ever seen anyone, even a very rich person, dressed so beautifully? And these lilies are literally of no consequence. They're going to be burned the next day. And yet it pleases God to dress them like royalty. And you, you're not going to be burned in the fire in 24 hours. You are eternal. You have an eternal life. He knows what you need. He's given you life. He will provide the clothing that you need. Now, this is not to say that the physical needs we have are not important. Jesus taught us to ask for our daily bread, to give a cup of cold water, to clothe the naked neighbor. So attending to our needs and the needs of others is part of loving care. But those who have suffered hunger know the pain and fear that it brings. It's a real need. It's not to be ignored. There's a lovely book uh, that I read called Sleeping with Bread. And in this book, the author tells a story of children that were orphaned in the bombing raids of World War II. And the children that were fortunate enough to land in refugee camps had lost so much and had experienced starvation. They were so fearful that many of them couldn't sleep, or they would awaken at night and go and take food. Well, someone had the idea of sending each child to bed with a piece of bread to hold. Bread, real food to hold, and they could finally sleep because they knew when they would wake up, that bread would be there. Those adults wanted to help the children's hearts to be at ease. Now, this book is about teaching the prayer of the examine, which is a prayer that helps us give thanks to God for how he's fed us today and opened our hearts to the faith that he will again feed us tomorrow. So the, the examine is a helpful prayer to engage um, if you'd like to practice this, of considering what is the bread that God has given me today, knowing that he will again give me bread tomorrow. So moving on in the passage, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So Jesus said that these anxious thoughts cause us to ask questions. How will I feed and clothe myself? Jesus points out that unbelievers worry about this because they have no father. They don't know they have a heavenly father, but you do know you have a heavenly father. Does he see your need and does he care? Yes, he does. He's provided abundantly and beautifully for insignificant birds, for little tiny flowers, and so much more for you. Jesus is inviting us to live as if we really believed we had a father, 
as if we really believe that he will take care of us, that he's real and he will give us what we need. Jesus says, do not be anxious because he knows that those kinds of thoughts grip the mind so much so that they can become a preoccupation. Anxious thoughts spin and spin as we rehearse potential problems and solutions, turning the mind and heart inward in on itself. And in this position, there is little freedom to simply be, to be open, to be present, to be calm and quiet on the inside. This is so important because it's from quiet and that gentle place and being present with God that we meet him. It's that place that we meet him, that we appreciate his gifts and that we learn to trust in his provision. What would it be like to live in deep assurance that God would take care of you? What space would that open up in your heart and mind that is currently filled with spinning, fearful thoughts? Just sitting here today, what would it be like if your heart could be at breath in him? If you could live in peace and calm? God wants to give us. This is where the Holy Spirit can work and help us. This isn't something we can do on our own. We need his help because that quiet on the inside is essential if we want to read the scripture and understand it and hear God speak to us through it. That internal quiet is essential if we're going to study if we're going to focus on a task from the beginning to the end, it's essential for any kind of creative work, for knowing others and being known, and for receiving God's love. The world is desperate for people of depth and quiet, with a capacity to listen to God and listen to others. We need people who can be with others in really hard places. We need mothers and fathers that are able to love, to remain present through difficulties, and who are willing to lay down their lives. It's from that place of quietly receiving God's love and trusting in his provision that we have the strength to hang in there for difficult. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is asking us to seek the kingdom because he wants our minds focused there on his kingdom, both the future heavenly kingdom and what's coming and that it's real and that we will see him face to face, but also embodying his kingdom now and experiencing his love and provision now. There's a really precious character in the Narnia series that I think embodies this particular virtue of having a fixed mind of faith toward where he's going, the purpose of his life, the tenacity of his choices, the resolve, energy to continue the journey. Now, he's a creature of low estate, but a magnanimous he did not consider his task too great 
or his stature too small to pursue a glorious prophecy spoken at his birth that led to his faith in Aslan and his destination in Aslan's country. Can anyone guess who it is? Repachib. This is the prophecy that was spoken over Repachib. He said, when I was in my cradle, a woodwoman, a dryad, spoke this verse over me. Where sky and water meet, where the waves grow sweet, doubt not, Repachib, to find all you seek. There is the utter east. And he said, I do not know what it means, but the spell of it has been on me all my life. So this destination, this end pursuit was so fixed in his mind that he would go through any path, any hardship, any privation, abandonment, injury to get to Aslan's country. And when the group had to decide um, in order to break a spell, who would go into the utter east and never come back? He was like, this has been my aim my whole life. He says, my own plans are made. When I can, I sail east in the dawn treader. When she fails me, I paddle east in my coracle. When she sinks, I shall swim east with my four paws. And when I can swim no longer, if I have not reached Aslan's country or shot over the edge of the world in some vast cataract, I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise. Such faith in Aslan's country, such love for him and belief that what was spoken over him would come to be. So that nothing, no hardship or privation would prevent him from doing that. That is a noble heart. If Repachim's thoughts had been taken up with fear around daily provision, if he had spun his thoughts around daily how he was going to get his needs met, I mean, they're in a boat going who knows where, they have no idea. He may not have had his mind and his heart full of where he was headed or had the grit to step forward day by day. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. The kingdom, the future that the Father himself loves me, that I will see him face to face, that I am marked as Christ's own forever. That's the future kingdom, but also God at work now, making himself known even in the most insignificant parts of his creation. He is good, and I will choose to believe that he will provide everything I need and not waste my life worried about how it's going to happen, but knowing. I'm going to be with him. He's going to provide for me. This passage finishes up with, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Have worries robbed you of the gifts of the present moment? Have anxieties robbed you of receiving God's love that's coming to you right now? Do you desire an open heart? to receive his love and the assurance of his provision for you, that he sees your needs, that he's able to provide for you. His gentle word to you is, do not be angry. What assurance of his goodness and care for you can you see today? What bread are you already holding that he's already given you? 
And would it help you to literally go outside and look at the birds? Probably would. I think there's actual uh, clinical evidence that it actually would help you. So Jesus was right on the mark. This gospel is consistent. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it's true. Look at the birds. But truly, if you look at birds and flowers, you will feel better. You will do better. It's just true. Um, But we can only meet God in one place, and that's this place right now, this moment. We can't receive his peace yesterday. We can't receive his love for tomorrow. But he comes to us now, right now, with his love and presence. So as we gather today around the table, Jesus comes to us simply and physically. He gives to us his body and blood. Even if your heart is heavy, your mind is spinning, you can come to him in faith. You are a good father. I trust you'll provide for me. Feed me now. And receive the tangible presence of his body and blood by opening your hand and saying, thanks be Amen. Let me just pray for you now. Lord, you know when you look out on your people that you see anxious thoughts and anger. We confess the ways that we have failed to trust you. We repent and we turn to you now. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. And Lord, where there is need, would you come in your abundant provision and care for these, your little ones, whom you know and love. Would you lift now anxiety that has robbed joy and presence? And would you, Holy Spirit, send now your love and peace. May the peace of the Lord descend on us now as we lift up his name and bless him. Father, I believe you know what I need. I will not be anxious. Come, Holy Spirit, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. May it guard your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus.